Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Well, I'm not just a pastor. I don't believe or uh, not just a preacher, but not just a CEO, if that's such a thing. But I believe that God has called me to be a shepherd to the flock of God. And therefore, I'm always wanting to hear from the great shepherd, uh, that's certainly not us. We are like under shepherds to Him. We follow Him in everything that we know how to do. And so leading well for us, and particularly in challenging times, means hearing something from the Holy Spirit. To me, it's not about preaching a sermon that entertains or informs. Hopefully it will uh, engage you and hopefully it will inform you. But however, I believe that the heart of God wants to give you something to take away from this service that you can use in the week to come to begin to build your life. One of the th- verses that keeps resonating in my heart over the last year, uh, month or so has been this verse in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. The enemy will have moments where he will want to convince you that you are not going to be able to withstand, that you're not going to last, that the pressure is too great, or that really what you are doing and what you are involved with, your contribution really doesn't matter a whole much. And probably you could easily be missed and it wouldn't really make much difference. This verse says, finally, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. The word steadfast simply means to be fastened in place so that it's not easily shifted. Some of you have got clothing labels if you check later. And they will say that the garment you're wearing is colour fast. That means it won't fade. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of believer that never fades. I want to be the kind of believer who's still bright, the kind of believer that's still fresh, no matter what age I become, no matter how the passage of time happens, and no matter what season of life I find myself in. I believe absolutely that Christians should live from the inside out. We are not called to live from the outside in, looking at the world, looking at the media, looking at who said what, did what, what we wish they did or didn't do. But we are meant to live our life from the inside out. And there are some blessings that will only ever come to people that are steadfast. In Habakkuk chapter 2, and again, this is a couple of verses that I have brought to you over and over again in the last 12 months. They've spoken to me so often when I've come to pray and I've felt the Holy Spirit whisper that verse again to me and say to me, come on now. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and I will watch to see what He will say to me. In the times when the overwhelming voices have been filled with negativity, have been filled with restriction of what we can't do, I've heard the Holy Spirit say to me, will you watch? Will you stand? Will you set yourself? And will you hear what I will say? You know what they're saying. 
You know what the media is saying. You know what the governments are saying. But will you stand and hear what I'm saying to you in all that kind of time? But I want you to see the progression. Put the verse up again, please, if you would. See the progression of this. He says, I'll stand I'll set myself and then I'm going to watch to see. In other words, he says, unless you set yourself and stand, you're never going to see what God wants to bring to your life. The truth is that strong and clear vision is reserved for people that are steadfast. If you are blown around by every wind of doctrine, if every theory that comes past somehow or other can shift you from the place of faith, and from the place of commitment, and from the place of hanging on to God and His Word. And I know how hard that can be for every single one of our lives. I've been through enough things in life, perhaps, to certainly have observed in my own life that a sickness in a family member or that some kind of a difficult spot in a relationship can somehow or other so easily try and move me out of the place of being set and out of the place of listening for what he will say, that uh, I've learned that can happen to anybody. None of us are immune. But strong and clear vision is reserved for people that are steadfast. I'm not talking about the vision you used to have. I'm not talking about the vision you got when you got saved or when God told you about that thing. I'm asking you, are you still gazing at that vision? Because a vision is not a glimpse, according to Proverbs 29. A vision is not something you can a little look at and then walk on. But a vision is something that you gaze at. It's something that's carved. Literally, the word means to carve it into your attention. It's something that holds you. Have you got a glimpse of God's future for your life or have you got a vision for your life? Because this much I know that all the vision that you see and all the revelation you receive is useless if you are easily moved from divine purpose. I'll say that again. All the vision you receive and all the revelation that you get is useless if you are easily moved from divine purpose in your life. I know many people that had a vision. I know many people that got a revelation, but it became ineffective in their life because they got easily moved from divine purpose. Let's make sure that 2022, we will abound in the work of the Lord. This verse I find challenging because when everybody's saying, just wait, you know, wait, write it out. And I hear the Lord saying, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, always be abounding in the work of the Lord. He didn't say abound when it's going well, abound when it's easy, abound when there's no pressure. He says always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. So I believe that in 2022, I, I believe this, I really do. I believe we will see God's grace and favour on this church. 
I believe we're going to see it increase and more and more. And you might say, well, you're supposed to tell us that at the start of the year, aren't you? You're supposed to pump us up for what's to come. Well, I'm not trying to pump anybody up because I've prayed it and I've seen it and I've heard it and I know it inside of my heart that regardless of circumstance or despite difficulty and irrespective of any popular perspective, I believe that as a church, we're going to see more people come to Christ. We're going to see more people get saved, more people get healed, more people encounter a great walk with God than we ever have before. I declare and believe that this is a year of grace and favour over the life of this church. We will always abound in the work of the Lord. Psalm 37 verse 23, we used to sing this one in the old days. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he lighteth. We always had a bit of a country twang when we're saying. The steps of, he needs a banjo. A good man are ordered by the Lord, and he lighteth in his way. Yeehaw. It's a great song, perhaps. But let me tell you, it's a promise to your life. God says, listen, 2022, the steps of a good man or woman, didn't say a perfect one. He said the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. The New Living Translation puts it this way. He delights in every detail of their lives. Come on, are you with me this morning? God is not saying, Let, I'll take care of the big stuff, but Lord, the little bits is your problem. He's not saying, hey, look, I'll deal with you know, the global stuff, but I hope you make it. He's saying, no, He delights in every detail of our lives. The New International Version says this, He makes our steps firm. We don't go into 2022 with trepidation, tentative, wondering, hoping, not sure. But we walk into 2022 with certainty that certainly you don't get from what's out there. But we have a certain place. I'm preaching in Edge Church this morning. They just, someone sent me a text before Sharon Guglamucci. She said, I'm, I'm listening to you preach this morning. And then I thought, gee, I wonder what I preached on. And uh, then I remembered I preached on anchors and having anchors in your life, having something that's solid and that you hold on to. And the reality is for every one of us, we have this anchor for our soul. Amen. I know you might be going through a difficult space right now and everything within you says, Jeff, don't try to cheer me up. I'm not trying to cheer you up. I'm trying to point you towards the Christ, the Lord. I'm trying to point you towards Jesus, who is our forerunner. I point you towards He that has the name above every other name. Try to point you towards the One who is the Saviour of the world. Amen. So we want to be like that. The steps of a good man. Let me take you to a, an illustration of this, if you like, in the Scripture. Matthew chapter 8, verse 18 says this, When Jesus saw great multitudes about Him, He gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to Him, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Well, Jesus, knowing that all that was going to happen and all the stuff that was going to come, said, let us go to the other side. And I hear again the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't use that kind of phraseology lightly, but I hear the Holy Spirit saying, Jeff, let's go to the other side of the season. 
I keep hearing the Holy Ghost say to me, get, be filled with vision. Don't let your meditations be on what's gone wrong and who didn't that and what disappointment may have happened there. But begin to fill your life and begin to fill your thoughts and begin to fill your conversation with what I'm doing because we're going to go to the other side of this season. And Jesus declares that to all these people are there. But then comes the people. And I just started reading that verse in verse 21. The people who start saying, well, I'd like to follow. Verse 21, let me read it to you again. Um, sorry, the, verse 19. A certain scribe came and said, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. All after this comes the people who go, I'd like to follow, but I want to wait until things settle down. I want to wait until it's a bit easier. You know, right now, Lord, it's a little bit problematic for me, you know. But I want you to come with me to verse 23. It says something quite astounding. Verse 23 says, now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. Not everybody, but the disciples followed him. If you are a disciple of Christ, then whether everybody else comes or not is immaterial. You will follow. I'm telling you, if you are a disciple, then whether you would rather stay on the shore because it looks safer. Hey, if a storm arose, I've got no doubt there wasn't a cloudless sky. And many of these guys are fishermen and I reckon some of them would have looked up and they'd seen the signs of an approaching storm. And I guess some of them thought to themselves, well, is this a good time? But when he gets into the boat, the disciples followed him because real disciples go wherever he goes. Come on now. How, how hard is it for Jesus to lead you? Has He got to hit you with a really big stick? Has He got to get some massive angel to interrupt you? Or can you hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit? Come on, I'm serious. Because too many of us will only lead God if He makes it so astoundingly you know, dramatic that we can't doubt. Amen. You know, we've got it. Jesus never said, yay. And there wasn't the hallelujah chorus playing in the background. Let us go. It wasn't Cecil B. DeMille. Let us go to the other side. It's just Jesus saying, come on, let's go to the other side. And his disciples get into the boat. If it's good weather, they're in the boat. And if it's difficult weather, well, they're still in the boat. And if others come, they're in the boat. And if others don't, they're still in the boat. But you know, getting in the boat with Jesus doesn't mean it's easy. Verse 24 goes on and says, And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose, get this, and rebuked the wind and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the men, which men? Not the men on the shore. They've already gone home waiting for dad to die. They've already stayed behind saying, you know what? I'm not really sure I'm ready for a, a challenging moment, a challenging time. No, they stayed on the shore. They don't hear 
The voice of the master rebuked the winds and the sea. Only the people in the boat get to hear him. And the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? The truth is, disciples get a revelation of Jesus that others don't. I don't know about you, come on. I don't, I, I'm, I'm up for it. If it's difficult, I'm up for it. Because I know that somewhere in the storm will be the voice of Jesus. Are you with me here? And I'd, I'd rather be in a storm and hear the voice of Jesus. I've walked through some things in life where honestly I look back now and I go, God, I thank You for that trial because You were with me in the trial. I heard You in the trial. It was difficult. There were moments where I wasn't sure in my humanity how I'd go. But Lord, in the middle of all that, the storm only served to reveal Jesus. The only thing that storm did did the devil send it? I don't know. Was it just nature? I don't know. Just like I can't tell you whether your problem is the devil or it just happened. But I do know this, that for whatever purpose that storm came, the outcome of it was not anything of a destructive nature. All it did was show these people something about Jesus. Who is this man? Oh, we've been following Him, but we had no idea what He could do. Are you with me? I've been following Him. Come on, I'm, I'm begging you, urging you, encouraging you. If you are in a storm right now, well, wake up Jesus in the boat for sure, but don't start heading for sure. Don't try and say, I'm going to find reverse gear. I wish this had never happened. Say, Jesus, I'm with you. Lord, show me who you are in the middle of my storm. Let me circle back there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. I want to come to the last part. We focused on the beginning of it. Therefore, my beloved brethren and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But I want you to focus with me for a minute on the last part of that. He says, be steadfast and movable. Why? Knowing that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. There is no difficulty or opposition. There is no season or circumstance that can make your efforts, your generosity or your service useless or meaningless. I've been around church long enough to know that not everybody is happy all the time. I've also been around church long enough to know that not everyone's happy with everybody else all the time. Let's not get too, too ready to amen that one. Churches are just full of people. I've just finished reading the book of Genesis. And I'm going, what a dysfunctional bunch. They seriously had some major issues. Then you get into Exodus and it doesn't seem to improve much. I read the end of Second Timothy the other day where he says, everyone in Asia, Asia has left me. And I'm going, how would you feel like that? You're in jail and they're all going, no, we're over him. He's last year's preacher. huh? And they're finished with him. So I've been around long enough to know, you know, sometimes people won't always see eye to eye and everything. In a church like this, I'd be amazed if you all vote the same. I'll bet you don't. 
I'd be amazed if everybody here agreed on a... I, shall I start naming issues? <laughs> Woo, that'll make the cafe so much more fun. Amen. <laughs> we'll have the group over there that believe this and the group over there that believe that. And we'll have the people that are for this there and the people that are anti-this here. And, and, but, you know, we, the reality is we are, church is people. And you are not the church. We are the church. Amen. I cannot be the church without you. You got to get this. Because too many people are going, you know, I was in, uh, was it Venice or Florence? I think it was Venice. I think it was Venice. And there was this beautiful, I mean, every church in Venice has got priceless statues and paintings and stuff everywhere, you know. And I'd walked into one and it was just amazing. Candles lit and all kinds of stuff there. But on the corner opposite was another one. And I walked into it and there were priceless works of art and there were candles. And I couldn't believe that there could be two churches, you know, on opposite corners like that. So I had to buy something. I can't even remember what it was, but I, I asked a shopkeeper. I said, how come there's a church there and another one, the same denomination across the road? And she said to me, well, I think some of the people there never got on with them. So they built another one on the other corner. It's like the guy who was on the desert island when they turned up, there were three buildings. And they said to the guy, what are the three buildings? He said, that's one of my house. And they said, what's that one? He said, that's my church. He's the only guy on the island. They said, what's the other one? He said, that was the church I used to go to. But the preacher said something I didn't like, so I left. There isn't any difficulty or opposition. There isn't any conflict. There's no season or circumstance. Listen to me, that can make your efforts, your generosity, your service useless or meaningless. Somebody's sitting up there with the lights or you can't see. Somebody up there is on a sound desk or you can't hear. Somebody up there is on CG. Or you don't get these scriptures and notes that come up for you. Somebody will be out at the cafe or else you're all drinking water. Somebody is bringing an effort. And I'm here to tell you this morning, no matter who you are or what you're doing, you may be online right now. And Rhonda and I have been online the last three weeks. And I know that you can sit at home and you can either be on your device and playing a game and half listening. Or else you can go, I'm going to engage. I'm going to worship. It seems a bit strange sometimes to worship when the TV's bringing a sound out and you're the, there's only two of you singing or one. Because Rhonda, I don't know what she was doing. Was making a cup of tea. That'll cost me. Are you with me this morning? If it's hard, serve God. If it's easy, serve God. Be a church of people that say, I'm going to abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that my labour is never in vain in the Lord. Amen. Let that be what they say about 2022 for Metro Church. You know, those people didn't matter. They weren't moved by what they heard. They weren't moved by what everyone said. 
They just kept on abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen. Now let me talk to some of you here that you have never known what it is really to walk with God. Let me read you this verse out of Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. It says, Therefore He, that's Jesus, capital H, Therefore He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Don't you love the sound of that verse? He's able to save. One preacher used to say, from the guttermost to the uttermost. Well, I don't know if you're in the gutter. I don't know if that's where you feel like your life is at at the moment. Couldn't get any lower. Or whether you feel like, no, actually my life's going great, but Jeff, there's a, an emptiness. There's something missing despite all my success. I would point you towards Jesus and I'd say, wherefore he is also able to save. I thank God that my salvation doesn't depend on my works, on my goodness. It doesn't depend on what I do or don't do. It's because I have a saviour. I remember after I'd had, um, I don't know if I've ever told anybody this, but after I had finished all the chemo, I don't know what it was, whether it was emotional, physical, but after I had all that many years ago, I would wake up some mornings with a profound sense of nihilism is the only way to describe it, like nothing mattered. And I couldn't understand what was happening. And, I, and someone asked me about they'd gone through something similar and they said, what did you do? I said, I got up every morning and I said, Jesus, you are the one who saves. You can save me. And you know we did. And that was a season that lasted for a little while and then all those emotions and thoughts disappeared and I haven't never had them since. But because I kept on saying, Jesus, I'm trusting you. You're the saviour. I'm not the saviour. I don't save myself. You save. Amen. So if you have never given your life to Jesus, just every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment. If you're in the building here this morning, you say, Jeff, you're talking about me. Jeff, I, I don't know Jesus like that. I'd love to pray with you. I won't embarrass you. I want to help you. I'll show you how to say yes to Christ in a very simple way but profound and important way. And if you're in the online, I'll talk to you also about that in a moment, about how you can also do that. But if you're in the building, you'd like me to pray with you, would you just slip your hand up wherever you are? I'm the only one looking around because I want to make sure we include you. And you just might need to wave it around if that is you, wherever you are. You say, Jeff, I don't know Jesus like that. Jeff, I want him to save me. Uh, whether you're in the guttermost or the uttermost. Just a look around. I don't want to miss anybody out. Saying yes to Christ is not difficult. I love the uh, fact that Tessie, when she was up here a little bit earlier, I don't think it's a part of the, the script for that song, but you can have my yes was what she began to say. A couple of years ago, we started this thing called Yes Text to make it so easy for people to say yes to Christ. Up here on the screen right now and for you, wherever you are online, all the detail you need is coming up for you there. If you're in Australia, you text YES, Y-E-S, to 488 If you want to get our help, and that's all you'll get from us is help and love and care, 
If you'd like to get that via email instead of a text, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. If you're with us, of course, on metrochurch.online, the yes button's there for you right now. And you can just use any one of those three ways. Give us your yes, and then after you do that, the day after you do it, we'll send you, fits on one screen of a smartphone, we'll send you a Bible verse that's different every day. We'll send you a prayer that's different every day that you can pray in. It'll help you to begin a walk with God. We'd love to do that for you. Father, thank you for those that will say yes to you. Thank you for the people right now who they have exhausted every other hope. They're not sure how to make it. Some people that though they have made a commitment to you at some point or other, they've been struggling and, and ready to give up. And Lord, they're going to say their yes to you again and be steadfast in it. And you're going to help them and grow them. We thank you for them each one, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.